Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number, 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, delighted to have you with me. I have got to begin. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to weave a couple of things together. I am a professional. Bear with me on this. Gallup has a survey out, a record high percentage of Americans trust Republicans to manage the economy over Democrats. 53% of respondents said Republicans were more likely to do a better job of keeping the country prosperous versus 39% who favor the Democrats. Gallup's been polling the same question since 1951. The 14-point edge is the widest for Republicans since 1991 and a slight bump from their 10-point advantage this time last year. Democrats led by one point in September of 2020. Now, notice a little bit of irony here that this is the the widest for Republicans since 1991, the year before George H.W. Bush lost to Bill Clinton because of the economy. But... Democrats, the Biden administration, they have wrapped Joe Biden around the phrase Bidenomics. They've wrapped the phrase around Joe Biden. They claim the economy is doing really well, but nobody feels it. The cost of living is still high. There are more and more warning signs on the horizon that something is clearly wrong with the economy. Don't look now, but the uh, long-term bond yields have surged to just about 5%. That's going to impact the national debt. Uh, They're up over 4.7% right now. Our economic estimates by the Congressional Budget Office presume they'll never get above 3%. They're almost at 5% now. Every percentage point above 3% over 10 years adds $3 trillion to the national debt on its own without congressional spending. If we froze spending tomorrow, we'd still add $3 trillion over the next 10 years because interest rates and interest payments go up. The debt service goes up. Into all of this, Republicans have 43 days to come up with a new spending plan because the Congress, uh, the, the continuing resolution that they passed on Saturday only lasts for 45 days. So Republicans in the House have to come up with a new plan. They've got 43 days now. The clock is ticking. 
The public trusts them to get this done. They trust the Republicans more than the Democrats. And into this mix comes a monkey-flinging poo named Matt Gates. Now, I'm old enough to be aware that every politician in Washington, D.C. has a cult of personality, and Matt Gates is cashing in on his. There are people listening right now who will never acknowledge Gates has done anything wrong. He walks on water to these people. Matt Gates believes his own press. Matt Gates will make a lot of money off of a motion to vacate the chair to oust Kevin McCarthy. He also plunges the House into chaos when they've got 43 days left to figure out how to keep the government going or potentially harm the credit rating, drive up interest rates even further, and cost Americans more, right as the public is saying, hey, Republicans, we trust you to get this right. He doesn't have a backup plan. They had a closed-door meeting, Republicans, this morning. Uh, multiple Republicans have come out, including Marjorie Taylor Greene, who has acknowledged, Matt Gates said in the meeting, that there's no backup speaker. He doesn't have a speaker. He wants to vacate the chair and have a free-for-all. That will drag out days. Tick, 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 tick. That'll be, what, 40 days, 30 days left to negotiate a continuing resolution? I want to tell you a little game Matt Gates is playing because some of you are dumb enough to have fallen for it. Yes, I'm calling some of you listening right now dumb. If you don't think you're dumb, don't be offended, but you'll know who I'm talking about. You see, here's what happens. Matt Gates lines the dominoes up in a particular pattern. And then he flicks over the first domino and the dominoes begin to fall. Well, Matt Gates is the one who lined them up so he can tell you what's going to fall next, how they're going to fall, and where they're going to fall. Matt Gates has been doing this for a while. He, he arranges the outcome. He goes to the floor of the house or to the nearest camera and he says, here's what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. And it happens because he took the steps ahead of time. He's not a dumb guy to ensure that it happens the way he predicted. And some people listen to this, oh, he's Nostradamus. This Matt Gates guy, he knows how to get things done in Washington. He knows the inside track. This guy predicted it. He's a genius. How could he have seen it coming? Because he arranged for it to happen, you idiots. Matt Gates ensured that Kevin McCarthy had to get Democratic votes to keep the government open. Matt Gates two weeks ago predicted that Kevin McCarthy would rely on Democrats and shut out conservatives. Kevin McCarthy structured a deal that would cut government 8% from the House Freedom Caucus. All the Republicans went for it except Matt Gates, who goes down to the floor of the House and says, Kevin McCarthy, we're not actually going to do this plan. He doesn't buy it. He's going to have to rely on Democrats. He's going to sell us out. And then Gates, remarkably, behind the scenes, finds five other Republicans who have problems with the thing, ensures that it dies, blocks every other possible plan. And then, of course, the Republicans have to rely on Democrats to keep it open. And then Gates says, see, I told you, they're going to rely on the Democrats because you structured it to make sure that happened. Same with Ukraine. He's out saying that there's a behind-the-scenes quid pro quo that— for they're going to cut a deal on the border and they're going to get Ukraine funding. Of course they're going to do that. You ensured the House plan would fund Ukraine, Matt Gates. You did this. Matt Gates 
ensured that the only possible path forward is funding Ukraine. Why? Because the Republicans advanced multiple plans that gutted Ukraine funding and Matt Gates worked to kill every one of them. So now the Senate's in the driver's seat and the Senate's going to fund Ukraine. And here comes Matt Gates saying, oh, there's a behind the scenes deal, quid pro quo, McCarthy cut to fund Ukraine. No, there actually isn't one. He didn't actually do that. It's just foreseeable that this is going to happen. House Republicans want the border funded. The Senate Democrats want Ukraine funded. So there's going to be a compromise deal. It's how the sausage is made. All Matt Gates is doing is coming out explaining to you how the sausage is going to be made thanks to his obstacles and stupid people across America are like, oh my God, he's a genius. He he sees, he's pulled the curtain back. He's telling us what's going on behind the scenes. Yes, you idiots, because he structured it to happen to make himself look good. So you write him a check to fund his gubernatorial bid in Florida. That's what's going on. You idiots. Matt Gates structures this. He designs this. He's not a dumb man. And he knows there are a lot of stupid people who are engaged at the periphery of politics looking in. And so he pretends to pull back the curtain and tell them the future. When Matt Gates knows what the future is because he's worked to make sure nothing else is possible. He knows the Senate Democrats and most of the Republicans want to fund Ukraine. He knows it can't get through the House without border funding. So he comes out and says, hey, I have a secret. Kevin McCarthy cut a deal with Chuck Schumer, and they're going to fund the border, and they're going to fund Ukraine. Um, that's called the legislative process, Matt. It's already been apparent. Why? Because last week you killed all of the House Republican efforts that would have defunded Ukraine. That leaves on the table funding Ukraine. But he, he wraps this up as some sort of genius Notre Dame-like prognosticator. And the rubes are played, and then they write him a check to fund his gubernatorial bid. And that's ultimately what this is about, is he's running for governor in 2026, and he wants to run as an outsider. So by challenging Kevin McCarthy, he gets to claim he's an outsider, not an insider, not to the establishment, and run for governor of Florida with a huge war chest, thanks to the people writing him money, thinking he's some sort of truth teller. In the meantime, tick, 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 tick. The clock is ticking on a government shutdown. So what's going to happen here? Democrats have come out and said, we are not helping Kevin McCarthy. We, we, we will not help Kevin McCarthy. We will not save Kevin McCarthy. We will not block the motion to vacate the chair. In fact, we will obstruct any effort to block the motion to vacate the chair. Why? Because let's go back to what I started this segment with. A record high percentage of Americans trust Republicans to manage the economy over the Democrats. Matt Gates has made it very clear that there is no name for Speaker of the House other than Kevin McCarthy. So Matt Gates has four members of the House that will vote to oust McCarthy with no one in his stead. It took 15 days in January to settle on who would be Speaker of the House. So you've got 43 days subtract 15 days and now we're less than 30 days before another government shutdown leaving a new speaker of the house no time to come up with an alternative beyond siding with the democrats it throws 
economic chaos into the mix if the clock drags out even further. It ensures there will be no spending cuts. It ensures government will grow. It ensures House moderate Republicans side with the Democrats. And before you say, well, they were going to do that anyway, the House moderate Republicans literally sided with the House Freedom Caucus to agree to an 8% across the board non-defense cut in government that Matt Gates scuttled. There are are so often times people use the phrase the stupid party and the evil party in Washington and on the right we use the stupid party for the GOP and the evil party for the Democrats. The public is signaling Republicans, we trust you to handle the economy and the stupid party is saying, hold my beer, we'll, we'll do everything we can to, to disabuse you of that notion. We'll, we'll, we'll ensure that uh, this, this goes south. We will ensure that our... Uh, lack of ability to agree in the House causes economic turmoil. We will shut down government, which will drive up our credit, uh, which will downgrade our credit rating, which will drive up the interest rate, which will minimize the amount of money we have available to fund public services and defense in this country. That's what's going to happen. The credit rating goes down, interest rates go up. Countries like companies that have worse credit ratings have higher interest rates. That will happen to the United States of America. Every percentage point above 3% adds $3 trillion over 10 years. We're now at 4.78%. That's the effect of what Matt Gates is doing, throwing chaos into a system at a time the public is with the GOP. Republicans love to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, and they're being led by Matt Gates to do so right now. You know, Nancy Pelosi had a six-seat majority and was never challenged. Why? Because the ideological coalitions of the Democrats are more harmonious and more homogenous than on the right. But also, those Democratic uh, squad members who didn't like Nancy Pelosi knew they needed to be in power to get things done. Matt Gates does not have to be in power to get anything done. Matt Gates can be in the minority and still fundraise off of people by going on talk shows on the right and saying how what a what a great warrior he is and Donald Trump loves him. Matt Gates doesn't have to be in power. Matt Gates doesn't have to be in the majority. But if the Republicans aren't in the majority, the Democrats will be and the question is what do you want? Even the worst of the GOP establishment is far less likely than the Democrats to want abortion on demand. The worst Republican establishment is far less likely to restrict guns. The worst Republican establishment is far less likely to give a blank check to Ukraine. And the worst Republican establishment characters, when they get exiled in the minority, well, They'll be able to point to Matt Gates, who won't care because he'll be running for governor off the money that a bunch of rubes have given him because he played them so successfully. He convinced them he could see future sellouts coming when Matt Gates structured the deal to ensure the only thing that could happen was the sellout. In the meantime, the public will turn against the GOP, which will do its best to screw it all up and snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Because Republicans could right now be messaging against Bidenomics and could be passing alternative legislation to show they have better ideas. And instead, they're going to shut down the House for an indefinite period of time to humor Matt Gates's grudge against Kevin McCarthy. Well done, guys. Well done.
Guys, if you're a small, mid-sized business, you're struggling with HR issues, you have employees not showing up, or you got to do a termination, you need onboarding of employees, maybe there's a sexual harassment complaint. You want an HR manager. You don't want to be the bad guy with your employees. Bambi can play the role of HR for you. $99 a month, available by phone, email, real-time chat. They do onboardings, terminations. They help your team members get to peak performance. And your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations, regardless of which state. They're great. Now, they're U.S.-based. They You got somebody to talk to who's dedicated to your team. They give you access to HR expertise, and they add personal touches. So even though they're outsourced by your company, they really feel like they're a part of your team. That matters. Go to Bambi.com right now. Type in Eric Erickson under podcast. When you sign up, it'll help my show. Bambi.com, B-A-M-B-E-E.com, Bambi.com, Eric Erickson in the podcast tab. You know, I, I, I'm I'm sure Carl's a boomer. Uh, Carl emailed me angrily. Um, Boomer Carl uh, yelling at the wind to some degree that uh, I, I let me let me read you Carl's email just so you have it. You supported Gates and his ilk in their holdout to elect McCarthy as speaker. Now you're complaining that he is not supporting the caucus and dealing with the Dems. Shame on you for calling other folks stupid for being fooled by him. You lead the way to stupid back then. That was led, not lead, Carl. Uh, actually, it was Chip Roy who orchestrated that fight over McCarthy to begin with. And as I said and stand by it, McCarthy is absolutely, utterly principleless. He is a transactional politician who sticks his finger in the wind. It took 15 days to settle on him. And you will note that Chip Roy, not Matt Gates, it, Matt Gates went along with it, but Matt Gates did not orchestrate it. It was Chip Roy from the House Freedom Caucus and other Freedom Caucus members who did. They had a plan and they had an alternative. And it took 15 days and they extracted major concessions from Kevin McCarthy. Matt Gates now does not have a plan, does not have a backup, does not have an alternative. And if Kevin McCarthy wants to hold on to power, he could cut a deal with the Democrats and marginalize conservatives. That's where Matt Gates has led us. McCarthy could cut a deal with the Democrats, embolden the Democrats, empower the Democrats, and stay in power. That's where Matt Gates has led us. McCarthy says he's not going to do that, but I don't trust him. But the time to oust him was before, not now. And right now, it's time for you to go to Vision Computer and let them handle your desktops and laptops. They can build your computers for you. Not only can they build your computers for you, they can service your computers as well. They are a great tech team. You can call Vision if you have a problem, and over the phone, they can talk to you about your problem, navigate you to figure out what's going on, help you fix it, or in many cases, just remote in themselves and fix it for you so you don't have to deal with it. Vision is great. They save you money. They build you what you want and need. You don't get a one-size-fits-all solution. If you don't have Vision computers, but you want them to be your tech support for a low annual fee, they can handle your current computer even if you didn't buy it from them. But it's better to go buy your new computers from Vision because they offer so much. Visioncomputers.com is the website, visioncomputers.com. But better yet, call them. Anywhere in the nation, you can call 404-COMPUTE. Let Vision build your computers and be your in-house IT department. Vision can do it all and save you money. 404-COMPUTE, ask about the Eric Erickson special. They'll cut you an even better deal. It's not on the website, visioncomputers.com, but you can call them and ask for the Eric Erickson special at 404-COMPUTE. 
You know, there is one idea that uh, McCarthy could float if he doesn't want to work with the Democrats, and that is uh, push the rest of the appropriations bills forward. Now, Matt Gates and uh, his cult of personality say that this is the reason to oust Kevin McCarthy. There's a kernel of truth in what Matt Gates says. Congress has operated for some time on continuing resolutions. They're supposed to pass appropriations bills funding the different departments of government, and instead they've just been passing continuing resolutions, and McCarthy promised to advance the individual appropriations bills. And Gates and Sports say, well, he's broken his promises. The problem is that McCarthy has advanced the bills. Republicans in the House just haven't voted for them. For example, last week they advanced the defense appropriations bill. McCarthy even put Matt Gates on the committee, and it failed with five Republicans voting against it. Um, that's not McCarthy's fault, but he could push these others. Dan Bishop, a congressman from North Carolina who was one of the impediments to McCarthy's speakership to begin with, has released a statement saying, after deliberation, I have decided to vote against the motion to vacate the chair for three reasons. First, Mr. McCarthy is an accurate reflection of the current House Republican Conference. Second, Congress operates by numerosity. There must be a substantial groundswell for an effort toward fundamental change. One person's play call with roughly five to seven potential supporters portends no path toward success, only chaos. Third, a reckoning is due in the Republican Party to make it a force capable of confronting the crises and opposition we face. I have chosen a different path outside of Congress to pursue to make it one. I cannot impose this burden on an institution from which I will soon depart. Uh, Dan Bishop, of course, running for um, he's running for office, North Carolina, statewide office in North Carolina. So there you have it. Um, I think he's running for attorney general. In any event, um, so he's out. Um, but, you know, four of them, four could uh, oust McCarthy. The question is, then who becomes the speaker? And the most likely candidate to become the speaker if Kevin McCarthy's ousted is Kevin McCarthy. Fun times in Congress, right as the GOP seizes the high ground in, in people's estimate. Now, I got to I got to turn to something else. And this is diametrically opposed to that. I want to talk about cash bail and no cash bail. But I've got to step back a little bit. And for those of you who are new, I've got to explain intersectionality a little bit for you. I've mentioned this before. But intersectionality is all the rage these days among the, uh, particularly the, the, the awfuls, the affluent white female urban liberals. They are all about intersectionality. It is an idea derived from Marxism. It actually is an idea derived from Marxism as part of Marxist ideological thought. And essentially, it's how power is shaped in society. That, that's how Marxism views the world. Marxism views the world in terms of power dynamics. And intersectionality assigns characteristics to people. So uh, race, religion, sexual orientation, transgenderism, um, ability or lack thereof or or disability, things like that, uh, gender, they all weave together. So if you're a white male who is not transgendered, who doesn't have a disability, who is a Christian, 
Um, you are considered at the height of privilege, and if you're none of those things, you are considered uh, as far removed from privilege as possible. And the intersectionalists out there believe that that therefore assigns you, those of you removed from the privilege, are assigned a moral clout that the privileged do not have. And the privileged are supposed to keep their mouth shut, and those who don't have privilege are supposed to speak. Now, it's not surprising that the loudest voices in this dynamic happen to be uh, white progressives. And the white progressives and others who preside over the Los Angeles County Superior Court system have decided to get rid of cash bail. Because in the intersectional power dynamics, cash bail favors the wealthy and not the poor. Now, here's the thing. Statistically speaking, people who have the money to make bail tend not to be recurrent recidivists. People who have the money to make cash bail tend to be wealthier people, and wealthier people commit far less street crime. They tend to commit crimes of passion, not random acts of violence. That's just the truth. So by imposing cash bail, the people who can't afford it, the people who can't meet it, tend to be the people who commit the regular random acts of violence. Because again, wealthy people commit crimes too. But wealthy people's crimes tend not to be random acts of violence. They tend to be crimes of passion directed at people they know. It's the poor crackhead who's doing the burglary and the carjackings to get uh, money to pay for his crack addiction. But what the good elites in Los Angeles County have decided is because cash bail favors the wealthy against the poor, it discriminates against the poor, therefore we must get rid of cash bail. And people are concerned. Sheriff Robert Luna told the Board of Supervisors of Los Angeles County, quote, our communities have not been shy about telling us how nervous they are about this change. He said he respects the need to respect constitutional rights of arrestees, but zero bail can demoralize deputies and police officers who work hard to make arrests only to, quote, watch the offender walk away with a citation as the victim looks on with belief. But the progressives in Los Angeles, including in the court system and on the uh, Board of Supervisors, have decided that to conflate bail with accountability is a problem, that criminals are not going to escape punishment for their offenses. So here's the way the system is going to work. Most people arrested on suspicion of nonviolent or non-serious offenses will either be cited and released in the field or booked and released at a police or sheriff station with orders to appear in court on a specific date for arraignment. Arrestees in such cases who are believed to present a heightened threat to the public or flight risk will be referred to a magistrate judge who will review the case and determine if the person can be held in custody pending arraignment. So, for example... In Los Angeles, starting on Sunday, if someone breaks into your car and steals things from your car, that is not classified as a violent offense. Therefore, 
the person who breaks the window of your car and ransacks your car, if stopped by police, will be given a ticket and citation and told to appear in court on a particular date and will otherwise be let go. You got that? So they can go smash the window of the second car. And the police, again, will cite them and tell them show up in court on a particular date. The police can stand there and watch them smashing the windows of the cars along the street because it's not considered violent and it's not considered a crime against a person. It's just a property crime. And property crimes will be let go. So if someone wants to vandalize your house while you're not home, the police are just going to give them a citation. If they vandalize the house while you're at home, that's serious. They might go be put in jail. We don't know. Depends on what the magistrate says. If they decide to graffiti your house, they walk down the street with spray paint, and they spray paint on all the white people's houses, kill whitey. There's nothing the police can do. Give a citation and let them go. That's the way this works. So why are they doing this? They've bought in that the uh, liberal elite in Los Angeles have bought into the idea that this is a discrepancy between the wealthy and the poor. And they wish to end that discrepancy more than they wish to end crime. This is the way social justice ultimately works out where it is good for society that more people can be victims of crime because crime is an equalizer. Crime, after all, not just the government, takes from those who have and gives to those who have not. Therefore, you must deal with it. This is, of course, societal madness. Now, what's so notable here is uh, people in Los Angeles County are very vocally against this. This was imposed by the Los Angeles Superior Court. It was not put to a vote of the people. It was not passed through an act of the legislature. It's imposed by the court system that is governed in Los Angeles by a group of progressive elites. And there's no way to undo it without voting the judges out of office, which is difficult. They think it is fair. This is from Fox 11 in Los Angeles. The new system is born from long-held criticism that cash bail favored the rich, meaning well-heeled people arrested for even the most serious of crimes could pay their way out of jail, while low-income people languish behind bars for far serious offensive. The new system is based not on cash, but on the risk of an offender presenting to public safety or the possibility the person might fail to appear in court. The county imposed a zero bail system during the COVID-19 pandemic in order to prevent crowding jails. However, crime went up. A Los Angeles judge reinstated the old system, ending the end of cash bail. But the Los Angeles Superior Court overall ruled that you have to, this is unfair, it's unequitable. It favors the rich, cash bail does, so we got to get rid of it. we got to let everybody out. Now, a couple people called and asked to clarify what cash bail means. Okay, what cash bail means is that you can, you, if you're arrested, you have to make bail to get out of prison. And the way you make bail is you put up a bond, and that bond is backed by money. That's cash bail. 
So essentially, it's the bail system, you know, of it's re- it's referred to as cash bail, and I should just refer to it as the bail system. They refer to it as cash bail because they want to emphasize the money because they want to emphasize that it benefits the rich over the poor. But it's the bail system. You make bail or you don't make bail. The problem is, again, the people who have the money to make bail tend to be the people who have committed crimes of passion. Wealthier people tend to commit crimes of passion. It is the poorer people who commit the random acts of violence. Those are the ones who don't have the money to be able to make bail. They're the ones who stay in prison so that they can't continue to go out and smash cars and take the with the findings to the pawn shop. But those people who commit the random acts of violence will now be let out of prison. And you should know that the Los Angeles Superior Court System wants you to know if you believe crime will go up, you're racist. That's right. They've already gone there. The Superior Court Judges Panel wants you to know that if you think crime is going to go up because they're going to end the bail system and just let people out of jail, you're a racist for presuming that. The only thing that can fix this is the people rising up and voting against this insanity. The problem here is that the people of Los Angeles, the good liberals that they are, rose up and supported the people imposing the system. Overwhelmed with their white guilt, they decided to get rid of bail and are sparking a crime wave in the process. And you know what? They're getting their just desserts. They get to live with the policies they wanted and see just how bad those policies are. For the poor people who oppose this, it's going to be a nightmare for them. This disproportionately will fall on poor communities that don't want the end of bail. But the good progressives said you had to get rid of bail. And now the crime wave will commence, and you'll be a racist when you point that out. This insanity, one of the the great groups that is fighting against this sort of insanity is Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile funds conservative candidates to run across the country. Patriot Mobile funds Second Amendment causes. Patriot Mobile funds the pro-life cause. They fund great groups within the conservative movement, and they do it by you moving your business to them. As their profits grow, their business grows, and their giving to the conservative causes grow. And all you have to do is go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, or call them 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I said you. You get free activation with my name. You get great discounts. You're a veteran, a first responder, an NRA member, a teacher, so much more with Patriot Mobile. And then as they grow, they're giving to the conservative causes you care about grows. Now, notable, notable is you go to PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. You can put in your address, zoom right to your house and see how good the coverage is because you're probably using the same cell towers already. They use the same cell towers. And you can take your existing phone number and move it to Patriot Mobile. They make it very easy and seamless to do. It's patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K or 972-PATRIOT. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Delighted to have you with me on the program. This hour of the program is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, First Liberty can help your business grow. If you're buying a building or building a building or you need to buy out a franchise or buy into a franchise, that's sort of deals they do. FirstLibertyGA.com. Spend a few minutes with them. See if they can help you. See if you can work with them if you're a good fit for them. FirstLibertyGA.com. Y'all, the Monmouth University poll has come out, and I just find this hilarious. 
51% of a, a majority of Americans, 51% say they will not under any circumstance vote for Joe Biden. 51% of Americans say they will not under any circumstance vote for Donald Trump. They do not like them all. Um, there is uh, 52% um, disdain for Trump, 53% disdain for Biden, um, 35% are enthusiastic about having Trump as the GOP nominee uh, among independents, 19% for Biden. And you know, that gives Donald Trump an advantage. This is actually the, the, the funny irony here, is that all this gives Donald Trump an advantage because uh, everybody hates a majority hate Trump and a majority hate Biden, but independents would rather go back to Trump than stick with Biden, even though they don't like him. I mean, this is just, um, are, are we going to get a, a, a turd burger or a turd burger? Um, it depends on how runny the turd is as to whether people want, want the sandwich or not. It's just um, amazing. 76% of voters believe Joe Biden is too old. Only 48% of voters think Trump is too old. Now, what's notable here is 56% of Democrats think Joe Biden's too old. 64% think Donald Trump is too old. So you see there's a level of stand-by-your-manness here with the Democratic Party side. Uh, 90% of Republicans think Biden's too old. Only 23% think Trump is too old. It is just remarkable. Um, on the enthusiasm of the candidates, 37% are enthusiastic about Trump, 32% enthusiastic about Biden. 9% of Democrats enthusiastic about Trump, 68% for Biden, 78% Republicans for Trump, 6% for Biden. Makes you wonder who those 6% are for the Republicans and 9% for the Democrats enthusiastic about the other side. But nonetheless, there you have it. Um, people just don't want these two guys. And it really is remarkable. All of the polling, you take into account the economic polling from Gallup as well. All of the polling says, hey, we want someone other than these two guys, and whichever party makes the switch wins, hands down, in a landslide, wins, has coattails, but neither party intends to change, it seems. Although the Trump campaign is behaving as if they don't think their polling is as good as it is. They're, they're trying to shut down the next debates and get the RNC to cancel um, in large part because they need the money. They're running out of money. They need the RNC to end the primaries, make him the nominee so they can start covering his legal bills again. Uh, and that is not going to work. I'm just, I'm, I'm fascinated by the setup here of both parties offering candidates to the public that nobody wants, and yet they won't change. And if they change, they win. Both sides want to lose.